0: That's our lovely Lord hallelujah hallelujah turn with me to the gospel of Mark There'll be several places we'll turn this morning mark chapter number nine and uh, we are we're speaking we're preaching this morning I just want to remind you of some major doctrines of the Bible doctrines that oftentimes are purposely not preached because they're so difficult but it's doctrines we need now what's doctrines well it's teachings it's it's prime teaching and and principles of God's word and I want to be speaking on some of those things this morning there's about six things I'm going to call your attention to really about about four or five that uh, you need you need to be mindful of we don't cover these every year ought to I do try to every year, give you major doctrines of the Bible so it will refresh your mind, it will revive you and encourage you, and I even say inspire you to be all God would have you be. First thing I want you to do is to quote with me, if you can't quote with me, turn to John 3, chapter number 16, and let's read this verse together or quote this verse together. Most of us can quote it. It's the first verse that I remember learning as a little Sunday school boy. I remember dad would, he said, boys, for any verse that you learn, any verse that you'll learn, I'll give you, I believe it was a quarter. So we started learning verses, my twin brother and I. That got pretty expensive, so dad went down in price, I think, to 10 cents. But Still, it was worth it, and I'll never forget that. But uh, that verse, John 3.16, I want you to say it with me this morning, and I want you to hang on to it as we go through this message today. Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How true, how wonderful. Notice that part, should not perish. Why would God give His only begotten Son? The late great preacher, Dr. S.M. Lockridge, great black preacher, theologian, and what an orator he was, uh, he said that uh, God doesn't love us because we're valuable. He loves us and we're valuable because He loves us. And that's true. And it's not that I'm valuable that God loves me, it's that His love makes me valuable. That's what he's saying. He also said something like this, that God doesn't just love me because Jesus died for me. It's that Jesus died for me because God loved me. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. What a danger evidently that God saw. What a horrible end to humanity that God saw that He would give His only begotten Son to keep you and I from perishing. What did God see that most of the world does not see and even the church world hasn't seen? Why on earth would He send His Son to keep us from perishing If there wasn't a horrible, catastrophic something out there where we would perish. If there wasn't a place called hell, why on earth would God send his son to die to keep us from that place of perishing? The first statement I'll make this morning is this, hell is hot. Hell is a place no one ever wants to be. No one ever wants to see a loved one in hell. There's no family reunions that people enjoy in hell. There's no babies crying in hell. There's no small children in hell. You'll never have the wonderful privilege and the wonderful blessing of a baby and holding a baby in a devil's hell. Never, ever, ever, ever this place that God said, I'm going to send my son to keep you from perishing is a horrible place. Hell is hot. Did you know Christ spoke only one time in the Bible describing heaven, in John 14? But he spoke no less than 14 distinct times in the Bible describing hell. There are 260 chapters in your New Testament and hell and judgment are either referred to or described 234 times out of 260 chapters if you were on a road going 260 miles and 234 times out of 260 miles you saw a warning signs that said hey destruction his ahead perishing is ahead stop now 234 times out of 260 miles we'd get the picture wouldn't we There's something catastrophic out there we don't want to go to. And God saw it. And God said, I created hell for the devil and his angels. But those who refuse me, those who will not obey me, those who will not come to me through my precious gift of my only son, he said, that's where you're going. And the only way to keep you from that place is to send my son there to keep you from perishing. For God so loved the world that he gave his Son to keep us from this perishing. Hell's referred to in the scripture as a lake of fire. It's called a devouring fire. It's a bottomless pit. It's referred to I'm using Bible terms by the way and I give you the scripture for each one. It's called the everlasting burnings. It's called a furnace of fire. It's a place of torment. It's where they curse God. It's a place of filthiness. It's where they can never repent. It's a place where they have no rest. It's a place of everlasting punishment. It's a place where their breath will be a living flame it's a place where they gnaw their tongues (laughs) that breaks my heart it's a monstrous demonic place where Isaiah 14 and 9 says that the actual demons of hell meet people who are dying without Christ monstrous demons Isaiah 14 and 9 that is this awful place that's this place that God said I don't want you to perish I'll give my only begotten son. Settle it in your mind. Hell is a real place. It's a place that's hot. It's a place that's horrible. It's a place no one ever wants to go. It's a place where even the rich man, our Lord tells us that story in Luke 16. He said it's a place where he didn't want to see his brothers. He didn't want to see anybody he knew. Oh, Father Abraham, send your son. Or send. Somebody come, would you? Send send Lazarus, I see Lazarus. Send Lazarus, Dip his finger in this water and just cool my tongue because I'm tormented in this flame. I read to you some of the descriptions and all of them are Bible descriptions of this horrible place called hell. As I said earlier, there's never a baby's cry in hell. You'll never, there'll never be a cooing from a little child. There'll never be family reunions that are happy reunions. There'll never be cool breezes in hell. There'll never be cool water in hell. It's a place of eternal torment, and God said, I love you so much. I love you so very much. I'll send my son to keep you from perishing and going to this place. Hell is hot. Another thing, second great doctrine is this sin is horrendous in the sight of God. Sin is horrible. Over in the book of Romans, chapter number 7, I didn't even read Mark 9, but you read it, verse 43, down through verse 48, you'll see the warning there. In Romans, chapter number 7, our lovely Lord says this about sin. Now, grammar students tells you that really uh, it's not correct to use the same word in defining what that is, what that particular word you're trying to define is, but the Lord says there's no other way to define sin than in verse 13 of Romans 7. Was then that which is good made death unto me. Paul's talking about the law. He says, God forbid, God forbid but sin that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good. Now notice this last statement, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. He says sin is exceeding sinful. Now we would say that's not a good way to describe it, but God says there's no other way to say it. Sin is exceeding sinful in the sight of God. Sin is horrible. Sin is horrendous. Sin is awful. Sin cannot be tolerated. Sin is so terrible and awful. Just look at Calvary. He gave His Son to take my sins and your sins. He took it all on Himself. He became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. If you don't think sin is bad, man, I'm telling you, in the sight of Almighty God, it's the most horrible, horrendous thing that ever was. And God says, I've sent my Son. He's going to pay your sin debt. He's going to save you from this place of perishing forever and forever. You're not going to perish in hell because of your sin. I've sent my Son to take care of that. Hell is hot. Sin is horrible and horrendous. Don't forget that. You cannot cover it up. You cannot excuse it. You cannot make it more appealing. Today we're asked to tolerate it. We're asked to even decorate it. Today we're asked to even celebrate it. And if you don't celebrate the sin that others are doing, then you have a phobia. You're a homophobia, a transphobia, you're another phobia because you won't celebrate the sins that people are in. But ladies and gentlemen, listen to me very clearly. God has given specific warning to us here. These major doctrines. He says, I don't want you to perish in a hell that has all of these descriptive terms I've mentioned to you this morning. I do not want you to think that sin can just be played with and lift and licked and thrown away like a lollipop and it's nothing. No, sin is a horrible, horrendous thing in the sight of God. And Romans 7 says there's no other way to describe it. But it's exceedingly sinful. And God hates it. Third thing this morning. Not only is hell hot. Sin is horrible and horrendous. But judgment is certain. Everybody is going to stand before God one day. Everybody. Everything. Hebrews 9, 27 is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. Hell is a horrible place to go. Sin is horrendous. But God says judgment is coming. Everyone will stand before me. As, as certain as death is, Hebrews nine as we've quoted, is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Not only does the word of God say that it's certain, in Acts chapter 17, it tells us there that he's appointed the day. You say, God knows the day? yes. In Acts 17, and I believe it's verse 31, Paul's there at Athens and he's reasoning with these folks and telling them, you know, giving them, trying to teach them, trying to, can we say, uh, argue them out of their beliefs and their philosophies, and he's not able to. And then he says in verse 30 and 31 of Acts 17, and the times of this ignorance, he says, God has winked at or he's overlooked, but now, he says, now, since God sent His Son, and He's given His only begotten Son, so that you won't perish. Now, He says, He commands all men everywhere to repent, because He has, notices this in verse 31, He has appointed a day in the which He will judge the world in righteousness. So not only do we know judgment certain because the Word of God tells us in Hebrews 9, 27, but God has already appointed the day Romans chapter number 2 in verse 16 says these words, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. He has appointed the day. We read it in Acts 17. We read it in Romans chapter number 2. God has appointed the day. He knows the day. He's made the day. He said, I've appointed the day. It's on my calendar. It's there. The word of God says it. God has appointed the day. The third thing that we know that makes judgment so certain is that God has made reservations for those who die lost, who those who do not believe and will not trust Him. In Second Peter chapter number two and verse number nine, He says this: God knows how to deliver the righteous out of temptation and to reserve to reserve the unbelieving and the lost for the day of judgment. So he's made reservations. Three reasons there that judgment's certain. Three things that tells us judgment is certain. The Word of God says it, number one. Secondly, he's appointed the day. It's already on his calendar. And thirdly, he has made reservations for those who will die lost without him. Those reservations, by the way, will not... Be voided unless that person receive Christ. He has made those reservations. Understand that. So we see hell is hot. Judgment is certain. Eternity now is long. Sin is horrible. Give you this fourth thing. Eternity is long. It's too long to spend without God. I wrote that down in my notes. No one wants to be in eternity without God. We've never known. Humanity has never known a time. That God has not been around. The human family has never known a time from the existence of Adam and Eve to where God has not been around. But did you know that the great, I think, one of the greatest separations of hell is that God won't be around? He won't be there. And a great gulf is what the rich man saw, but the lake of fire, it appears like, will be that which separates. They won't be looking into heaven in those days because hell will be in a separate place. But we do know that according to the Scriptures, eternity is just that. Forever and forever and forever. It's endless, perpetual world without end is the biblical meaning of it. And who wants to be there without God being there? We don't know in the human race, we've never experienced the time where at least there's been a God around. But God won't be around in eternity unless you're with Him. Unless you're in His heaven. Eternity is too long. Someone said to be wrong. It's too long to spend without God. There's no question about that. I want to bring you to the next thought and that is this. Not only is hell hot, sin is horrible and horrendous, judgment is certain, eternity is long, but I love this. Salvation is free. Hallelujah. Salvation is free. It's a horrible doctrine that we've just discussed. So horrible that God said, I'll send my son to keep you from going to these places. Because God, you say, what about judgment, preacher? We're all going to stand and see if we're going to get into heaven. No, no, no. When you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you see, He's already took your judgment. He's took your sins. We'll go to the judgment seat of Christ for our rewards but not there to see if you're going to get in or not. We have this false picture in our mind, and understand this is false. This is not scriptural. We have a false picture in our mind that one of these days we'll show up at the gate and we hope, we hope that we'll be good enough and right enough and and maybe have done enough good that we can get in the gate of heaven and, and people decide whether we come in or whether we don't. You know, Ronald Reagan told this joke. He said it's the best joke he ever told. He said that one day in the heaven, Simon Peter was there at the gate, and this fellow got there. That was a preacher, and he thought, you know, man, I'll, I'm a going right in. And Simon Peter said, "Yeah, we've uh, come come on in." Said, "Yeah, we've we've got your name here. There's a place right over here. See that see that little home right over there? That's your house." About the time here comes a fellow that was a professional politician, and he comes up there, and Peter Peter says, uh, and he tells him his name, he says, oh yeah, man, oh man, said, uh, hey, let me take you and show you the sights around here. And he tells the preacher, said, you, you go right on over there, I'm going to take this fellow, we're going to show him around. And the preacher said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm a preacher, and you know, look at all the good I've done. And and you're just telling me to go over there, there's my home, you're not going to take me and show me around give me the tour? He said, well, listen. said, man, we get your kind here all the time. These politicians, we never get one. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. We all say amen there, won't we? We never get a politician. Ronald Reagan said, that's the best joke ever told. He said, there's a lot of truth to it. We never get a politician. Now, the wonderful thing is, salvation sets us free, and it is free because Jesus paid the price. Revelation 22.17 says that whosoever will let him come take the water of life freely, freely. Romans 5.15 he calls it a free gift. In Ephesians 2, eight and 9 for God so loved or excuse me 2, eight and 9 by the grace of God salvation itself is a gift. In Ephesians chapter number 2 that we have a gift of salvation. By grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast we have the wonderful gift of salvation you don't work for it if you work for it it would be a reward wouldn't it we don't labor and we try to do good and do better in order to get it no 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 salvation is a free gift that God has given and remember we started out with John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that you wouldn't perish he gave his only begotten son that's a gift So you wouldn't perish, you wouldn't have to go to this hell that's hot, you wouldn't have to go to this judgment that's certain. That judgment for us has already been placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He was judged for my sins. He's judged for your sins. You say, so preacher, we get off scot-free? No, we go to the judgment seat of Christ, not to see if we get into heaven, but only for the rewards for our labor and our work here. There are several judgments in the Bible But I don't want you to miss the fact that every person will be there standing before the Lord at that particular judgment. This judgment seat that I'm talking about here is for the saved only. Only saved people will be there. They will be there, and the Bible tells us we must all, Paul tells us this, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All as believers, he's talking to the church, we're going to stand, we'll be there, and there'll be the rewards for our work and our labor here for the Lord it's be a reward seat it's called the bema seat in the regular regional language but it was a seat where they would hand out rewards for those who had been running the race or those who'd competed in all of the games and things and whoever won they'd be rewarded and so the reward seat the judgment seat is for the believers but every person that is unsaved stands at the great white throne of judgment that revelation 21 and 22 talks about the great white throne of judgment and they will be there but here's the marvelous truth salvation is free for everyone who will have it you see repentance and faith how do i get sal- how do i get it preacher simply by asking believing on the lord jesus christ for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved what do we be- how do we do this what do you mean preacher I mean that according to God's word, that whosoever believeth in me. He says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. What do you believe about him? You believe he died for your sins? Just as John 3.16 says, God gave his son. You believe he died for your sins? You believe when I say for your sins, He paid your sin debt. He took your sins and took them to the grave. Every sin of every human being He took to the grave. He took the sins of the world. He placed them all on His Son. And He died there. But He didn't stay dead. Hallelujah. He rose again, alive forever bodily, so that now our sins are forgiven, cleansed, paid for, and now, hallelujah, We have eternal life through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the person that lives in you who is eternal life. Let me just knock out of the way this thought that there's other ways to heaven. I get a lot of information across my desk in there and through the computer of quotes and theologians says, you know, they've now arrived at the place where they believe that there's other ways to heaven besides Jesus Christ. If that were true, people would die in heaven. What do you mean, preacher? Well, the Bible tells us plainly that Jesus Christ is eternal life. He said that himself. He said to Martha and to Mary, I own the resurrection and the life. It's in me. If you have me, you have eternal life. So if there's another way to heaven besides Jesus, then people will die in heaven because they don't have eternal life. And... If everybody's going to heaven, now that's a popular doctrine. Everybody's going to heaven. That's just God. He's so good. And He is so good. Don't ever lose that sight. He's so good that He gave His Son, His only Son to die so you wouldn't perish. We've covered that already. But God's so good, nobody will ever go to hell. There's only a heaven. And we're going to win. Heaven wins. And everybody's going to be there. If that be the case, and there's no, there's no person of Jesus living in them, then you'd have murder, rapes, assaults in heaven. Every place unregenerate man has been. Every place we old folks who are just the, can we say the seed of Adam, and our old flesh has been testified today that there's a part of us that likes it. Every place we've ever been, we've caused problems. We continually cause problems. We have to have government To somehow or other organize us. And we have to have that organization. In order to keep us from. Totally destroying one another. Because mankind has that in their heart. But. With Jesus Christ in us. We have eternal life. In the person. We are set free from our sins. He forgives us. We have victory in Jesus. As we said this morning. Victory. Victory in Jesus over our sins I don't have to do the things I did before the power of sin has been broken hallelujah I don't have to so hell is hot sin is horrible judgment is certain eternity's too long to be wrong and too long to spend without God but salvation is free And you can receive this wonderful Savior today and don't have to go to these terrible places. You can be free, have eternal life in you. Then one other thing I'll leave you with. And that is that heaven is so sweet. Hell is hot. Sin is horrible. Judgment is certain. Eternity is long. Salvation is free. But oh, heaven is so sweet. That's the place where God's children are going to stay with Him forever and forever. Do you know that heaven's mentioned 700 times in the Bible? <laughs> 700 times in the Bible, heaven is mentioned. I mentioned 234 times in the New Testament that hell or judgment is described or mentioned, at least mentioned. But heaven's mentioned 700 times in the Bible. And that tells you there that God wants everybody to go to heaven. There's a doctrine going around. It's been going around for decades, actually a few hundred years that God has elected a few and selected a few. The rest of you are just damned to hell. And that the election and the selection means that He doesn't love everybody. Come down to the Bottom line, either God loves everybody or he doesn't. That question has to be answered. Does God love everybody? Or does God not love everybody? Those who hold to the strong Calvinist movement has to answer, and I heard one answer that this way, God does not love everybody. And I thought, then how on earth Could we have John chapter 3 and verse 16, which we just quoted, that God so loved the world, which that word world is cosmos, it's humanity, it's all humanity, it's not just Baptists. I know some Baptists think they're the only ones going to be there, but that's not going to happen. I promise you there'll be some Methodists and some Presbyterians and some Catholics. They sure will, that'll be there. Then there'll be some that don't have any denomination. They're going to wander around and say, well, what group am I going to be with? No. No, they won't. They won't. Just kidding there. They're not going to wander around. But God loves all humanity. It's His desire that every one of them go to heaven. Do you know the Bible describes hell as a place that is enlarging its borders? In other words, it has to get more property. In hell. That place is being enlarged because so many people are dropping off into hell and not on the way to heaven. But heaven is never described as not large enough. The Bible describes it as in in Revelation 21. You can flip over there and read these wonderful verses about the the beautiful uh, heaven and earth and the new heaven, new earth. Revelation 21 and 22. It's described so wonderfully there. I'll give you some highlights of it in just a few minutes here. But it's described as a city. The city itself is 1,500 miles in every direction, a perfect cube. 1,500 miles in every direction. Someone a few years ago did some computations on their computer. They estimated how many people had ever lived on earth. Just an estimation from the days of Adam and Eve and an estimation of how many could live on earth. And they they computed it. And put it into this fifteen hundred square mile or cubic miles everywhere. Fifteen hundred miles high, wide, uh, depth, everything of the holy city. And they came out with the fact that each person, if every person who ever lived went to heaven, every person would have somewhere between seven to eight miles apiece. That'd be their property if it was just sectioned off by territory. So God's heaven's plenty big for all humanity, while hell is enlarging its borders. And God's heaven is so sweet. I have sat beside the bed of countless loved ones, and loved ones here in our church, and watched them go to heaven. My dear mama, she was she was near death a few times before she went, and she'd come back out of it, and she'd look over at me and said, "I wasn't the least bit scared." Not the least bit. She'd tell them nurses, Says I, I remember one nurse come in and uh, she said to her, I uh, said, well, Miss Davis said, well, I was worried about you last night. I didn't know if you'd be here this morning when I come back in for my shift or not. I didn't know if you'd be here today. Mom said, honey, I thought I was a goner, but I wasn't afraid at all. I wasn't afraid at all. Jesus is with me. Heaven is like that. You cannot imagine except what the Bible says. Let me give you some things, and you can read all this in Revelation 21. It's called paradise, Second Corinthians 12, verse 2 through 4, paradise is there. It's the holy city, the new Jerusalem. The Bible calls it the city of gold, verse 18 of Revelation 21. Each gate in that city, it's got 12 gates for the 12 tribes of Israel. Each gate is a solid pearl, and a pearl speaks of the church. That pearl speaks of the church, no doubt. Each gate's a solid pearl. The walls are of jasper. Now what's a jasper in the Bible? In the Bible, jasper is a diamond. A diamond. And there's one, there's, the Bible says in verse 17 to Revelation 21, it's 216 feet has to be thick. Can you imagine a diamond 216 feet thick? This, this church, double the length of this church. And add just a little more. And that diamond in heaven is 216 feet. Has to be thick. Could be high. But I think with a city that's 1,500 miles high, it'd be higher than that. So it must be the dimension of the thickness. That's in, that's in Revelation 21:17. Walls of Jasper, 216 feet thick. That wall sitting there. Twelve foundations of precious stones, verse 19 and 20 tells us. Jasper is a diamond, as we've said. And sapphire is one of those. Twelve foundations, jasper, sapphire, chalcedony, which is sky blue. So get these colors. I'm going to tell you the colors so you can imagine what the, just the foundation is. Because you'll see the foundation in heaven. It's not below. Our foundation on this building is below the earth. You can't see it. But in heaven you'll see the foundation. And the first foundation is jasper or diamond. Then chalcedony, which is a sky blue stone. Then emerald, green. Then red and white. So we got blue, sky blue, green, red and white. Sardius, fiery red. We got golden, chrysolite. We have sea green, transparent green, purple, red. All of these stones... (laughs) Think about that for a moment. Why did he put so many beautiful colors? Red, purple, transparent green, sea green, golden, fiery red, red and white, green, sky blue, blue, diamond, and amethyst which is violet. Why does he have all these stones? Why is all these visible? Well, Peter tells you. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10. He talks about the manifold, multicolored grace of God. That's what the word manifold means. The multicolored grace of God. 1 Peter 4.10 Ephesians 3.10 talks about the manifold wisdom of God. The multicolored wisdom of God. So, can we say it safely this way? In heaven, that holy city, 1,500 miles in every direction, has got a wall that's built that's 216 feet thick, a pure old diamond wall around gates of pearl sitting on all these beautiful stones. There you see the blue, the sky blue, the green, the red, the white. A fiery red. You see the violet. All this transparent green. You see all this beauty of just the city in heaven and all of it's there. And what you're going to be reminded of, you're not going to go up there and say, my, 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 look at my little ring compared to this. You're not going to do that. You know what you're going to say? Oh, the grace of God that built this for me. Oh, the manifold Multicolored wisdom of God that did this. Look at this wisdom. Look at His grace. That's what heaven. It's so sweet. Can I say also, the streets are a pure gold. Hallelujah. There's no temple there. No, we'll get to dwell right with our Lord Jesus. There's no natural light there from the sun. The light will be the glory of God Himself. Can you imagine that? a pure river of life it tells us a crystal clear flowing from the throne of god who's the fountain of life this flowing river symbolizes the uninterrupted life that we're given to us gives to everybody that'll receive him ever fresh full of joy full of vitality on the river of life i can imagine jungles of roses and wildflowers on the sides of the banks of the river of life that flows right out of the throne of god i can imagine that the tree of life is there hallelujah the builder and the maker is god hebrews 11:10 tells us and it's a prepared city for a prepared people i said there's no temple there because we'll dwell right with jesus we'll be right with him you won't need a temple we won't need a church building Anywhere Jesus is, we can be. No sun, no moon, no stars, no candles, no night there. No night there in heaven. Night times in the word of God speaks of sorrow and sickness and sin. No night there. No more curse. Sin's curse gone forever. No more tears, no broken hearts, no disappointments. No funeral homes, no more death, no coffins, no cemeteries. Not on heaven's bright shoulders. No heartaches, no sorrow, no grief, no crying, no pain. Do you want to go there? Don't that make you want to go? Why on earth would we not receive this salvation that's free? Hell is hot. Sin is horrible. Judgment is certain. No question about it. Eternity's long, too long to spend without God. But the great wonderful truth is salvation is free. You can receive Jesus and not go to these horrible places. He doesn't want you to perish. He gave the greatest gift He could ever give. His son. God so loved the world that you would never perish, but you could have eternal life in His son. Do you have Him today? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Do you have Him today? Does Jesus live in you, preacher? What does what? I'm afraid I can't. I can't keep. I can't keep it. I've had many people tell me I would be saved, but I'm afraid I can't continue to be saved. Now, wait a minute. Didn't I tell you, didn't the Scripture tell you that salvation is a gift of God? He doesn't take it back. You only receive it. If you could work and earn it, then it'd be a reward and a payment. But God says, no, you'll never work enough. You'll never live long enough to work enough. You'll never do enough to work enough. You will never be enough to be good enough. It's in me and me alone. And I'll give it to you. Actually give Him to you. I'll come to live in you. What do I have to do, preacher? Here's what you do. You just confess to Him. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, Lord. I'm one of them that Jesus died for. I'm one of them You loved, And I'm a sinner. And I want You in my life. I want You to come into my heart. I want You to forgive me. I take it, Lord. I believe it. I believe these major doctrines that preachers preach this morning. I receive you, Lord, into my heart, into my life. I ask you right now, come in, Lord Jesus. Live in me. What does Romans 10 say? That whosoever would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth and call upon the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the Lord, believing he died for me, knowing He died, knowing that He rose again, alive forever. So now He is telling you, you can be saved. You can be. Trust Him today. Don't leave this place. It doesn't matter if, if, well, a church member or I'm a church member here, a church member there somewhere. You know, what would folks say? Hey, who cares? You don't want to go to these places I mentioned today can go to heaven with Christ. Who cares about a church membership or what family I belong to or what group or this, that, and the other or what others may think. Who cares? You can come to Christ today receiving now and be part of this wonderful group. I encourage you to do that. You may pray a prayer something like this those that may be watching or ain't watching please just confess to him Lord Jesus I am a sinner I know it I've broke your law but I believe you died for me I believe you rose again and I ask you now to come into my life Come into my life. I give myself to you. I'm yours. I belong to you. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Be my Savior, my King, my Lord. The Bible says that whosoever would call upon him with a heart of faith and repentance would be saved says he that comes to me I'll never turn away I'll never ever ever turn away if you come to it, so he's promised he'd save you here this morning and you don't know for sure please give your life to Christ if you're watching give your life to Christ Father we love you thank you for reminding us this morning of these major things major doctrines of the Bible that so often are purposely left never to be brought to people's attention when I think these are the most important some of the most important doctrines in your word help us today in Jesus name can we stand with heads bowed and if you want to come to the altar and pray please do so if you want to come down here in this front and altar pray. If you want to use your pew, please pray while they